Well, welcome to this episode of Digging Deeper. I am Jeff Norris, Senior Pastor at Perimeter Church. And typically in our Digging Deeper podcast, I am your host and most of the time joined by Caleb Click and Bob Cargo. But this episode, I'm extremely excited about, thrilled for what you're going to get is Eric Ryan is going to be hosting. And uh, Eric is on our executive leadership team, oversees uh, all that falls under the umbrella of spiritual development and shepherding in our church. And he's going to be joined by several others uh, that are also teaching in this series that we're in right now called Chasing Truth. And so they're going to be digging deeper into that this Chasing Truth series and all that's coming with it. It's going to be a phenomenal episode. Uh, so tune in, uh, get your hearts and your minds ready for some great content. And I'll, I'll kick it over to Eric. Uh, well, hello, Perimeter Church and others who might be listening to this podcast. Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, where we take an opportunity to dive deeper into passages of scripture that we are preaching on uh, in the life of Perimeter Church. Uh, we are glad that you have joined us uh, here today, and we are uh, discussing the current series that we are in, Chasing Truth. Uh, it is a series where we are looking at what does it mean for us as believers uh, to dive deeper into God's unfolding word, uh, and even as he reveals the interpretation of passages, to allow those passages uh, to sink deeper and deeper over time, and, and really sharing our stories of certain passages and how God has uh, shown more and more around that passage uh, throughout our lives and what that has meant uh, to us. And so I am joined here with Jimmy Kim and Tony Thomas and Ryan Brown. Uh, all of us are preaching a part of this series. Uh, and we're excited to kind of talk through uh, this series uh, here today. Uh, so we're going to go around and uh, introduce ourselves and uh, share what passage. Uh, I'm Eric Ryan, again, Executive Director of Shepherding and Spiritual Growth. Uh, and the passage that I preached on just this last weekend was Luke 14. Uh, 25 through 35 about counting the cost and taking up your cross uh, and how that's looked um, as I begin to process that uh, even in my own life. So Jimmy, welcome. We'll start with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Jimmy Kim, I am the Director of Family Transformation. Uh, the passage that I'll be speaking on is Psalm 46, and we'll look at the entire psalm. Um, not the entire Psalter, that would take a long time, but just that particular psalm, Psalm 46. Um, and the working title, uh, as I have not yet preached uh, this sermon, is Our Fortress in the Midst of Chaos. Um, and a big part of that is just simply um, the way that God has ministered to me and to the people around me in the midst of chaos and, and what a solace that He is and what His Word has been and even His people. Mm, that's awesome. Mm. Uh, Tony Thomas. All right, yeah. Uh, so Tony Thomas, I'm the assistant director of City Impact. So kind of this vision to live as a church in our cities. I'm kind of helping to bring that bring that vision about, hopefully, uh, in our church. And so that's kind of my role. So I'm actually preaching this Sunday, so getting ready for that. Um, I guess the title that I'm given to, to this message is The Relationship Between God's Glory and Our Joy. Um, in the passage I'm going to be kind of using, but I'm going to be kind of in different passages, but I'm starting with Matthew 22, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. Um, but kind of what I'm diving into with this is, um, uh, I'll be mentioning this in the sermon, but if you're familiar with John Piper, um, he's written a book, Desiring God, and has this kind of idea of Christian hedonism. So really, again, 
basically unpacking that question. Uh, what does it mean to live for God's glory? And then what, how does our joy relate to that? And I think that's always, that was a, an existential question for my Christian life that I really wrestled with, that those seem to be at odds with each other. And, uh, and often, as you took the radical claims of Christ to follow him, uh, actually, Eric, kind of what you preach, I think it relates a lot to that, is that, you know, um, how do we live a sacrificial Christian life that it clearly seems that the scripture calls us to? And what does it mean for our personal joy? Um, and how does that relate? And so unpacking that has been, in a sense, kind of revolutionary, almost like a born-again-again experience, I'd say, almost in my Christian life when I grasp the truths of that. So I'm excited to kind of unpack that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that, Tony, because uh, I think we oftentimes see those things as mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. right? That we've, we're called to work uh, for God's kingdom and for his glory. And and just, as, you know, as my passage even alludes to, it almost feels like sometimes a suck it up yep. uh, for the yeah. glory of God uh, kind of comment. And that was a, a turning point really in the life of the big church, right? For John Piper to write that book and bring out that concept in scripture that um, that those things are, um, they actually grow parallel with one another. Uh, that's awesome. I'm really excited. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. So my name is Ryan Brown, pastor of discipleship here. Um, and been here about seven years on staff, but also, uh, grew up here. And so as I, as I think about the way that God shaped me, um, as I'm understanding scripture, there's a lot of these things that I probably heard but just didn't realize along the way. And so this, the passage I'm preaching is uh, primarily Luke 24. It's that road to Emmaus passage where Jesus is walking with two of his disciples and basically tells them, hey, I know you didn't understand my death and resurrection, but you should have because you had the Old Testament. And then it says he takes, um, I guess, the rest of their walk to explain to them how the entirety of the Old Testament points to him. And... Uh, then I'm going to look over at the story of David and Goliath, that one of the stories that I've known my whole life could have told you the whole thing, uh, but probably looked at it in a how-do-I-be-like-David kind of way, when in reality, that's, that's one of those passages that is just glaringly pointing directly at Jesus. And so for me, I remember I'd been a part of a college ministry, I'd been teaching the Word pretty consistently, and we had a staff training for our ministry with a guy named George Robertson. And his theme was how to teach Christ from the whole of the Bible. And I remember when he finished that day, I felt like I've missed it. I've been reading the Bible my whole life, but I just, it's suddenly coming alive. And I had this excitement and joy about diving into the Bible that I hadn't had in years. And so just going to be diving into what does it look like to see Christ in all of Scripture and how does that bring um, not just like a technical new way to study the Bible, but how does that bring joy to us? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. It, you alluded to kind of growing up here, and, and you grew up here a lot longer than even I, I have moved here going into my junior year in high school. But that's definitely a surreal feeling being a part of this series, mm-hmm. you know, to, to preach about chasing truth in the church that taught us to chase the truth. Exactly. You know, and, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just such a humbling uh, kind of role. And I could also strongly relate to what you're sharing uh, with Christ in the Old Testament, just um, how often I just wanted to stay in the New Testament. I didn't really understand the Old Testament. And man, I'm excited for our church to be able to even hear and see an example and 
and hopefully it'll stir kind of their affections for getting in the old Testament and, and wrestling in those, in those passages. Well, typically when, when Jeff's doing this uh, podcast and we've joked about hijacking this podcast. So Jeff, you're listening, uh, just hold on. Uh, cause we're about to take a turn. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but typically he takes uh, the podcast and he, he wants to use this podcast to fill in some space of, Hey, this is some things we wish we were able to cover or a deeper dive into a, a particular passage. And, um, and because of when we're recording this after my sermon and before the three of them get to preach their sermon, it's a little bit of a different question for each of us, but, uh, I'll share a little bit. Uh, we'd love to kind of even hear your guys' thoughts, uh, kind of speaking in of, um, things I wish I had had a little bit more space, maybe to dialogue around and, and cover. Uh, one of those just being what really is a cross when you're called to take up a cross, um, and follow Jesus. Um, because so oftentimes in our culture, um, the crosses are just very particular to us, which, which can be true. Um, but sometimes our crosses that we're thinking of are actually crosses non-believers bear, right? Like how many of us, even our minds somewhat go to certain aspects of COVID where we go, Oh man, COVID, what a cross this year that we all had to bear, but the world had to bear that brokenness of the world. Now there may have been aspects of COVID that were different because we're followers of Jesus and there were certain things we had to, to navigate and to bear. Um, but how, how do you guys process that when you read that passage and you think about kind of that first side of that scale of, of putting everything you have and your whole life, um, into following Jesus when you read, cause it's, it's several times throughout the gospels, right. To take up your cross either daily or in other spaces. Uh, when you read those things, how, how do you picture what he means by a cross and how do you analyze even your own life and what crosses you've had to bear because of following Jesus? That's a great question. Um, the first thing that I think my mind and my heart goes to is just to think of here is suffering and I equate cross to suffering. So if Jesus tells me to take up my cross, that just means I need to own my suffering. Hmm. Right. Um, but that's, that's really like half the picture. Uh, if you want to give, if you can even give percentages to something like that, uh, the whole of that picture is not just the suffering, but also what is available to us because Christ suffered on the cross for our sake, right? In the empty tomb. Um, and in my laziness and in my short-sightedness, I stop at the suffering and think, okay, it's either really hard or I just really need to buckle up and I need to get this done. But this is my cross to bear, so I just got to do it. And I don't make that extra step of saying, Jesus, help me, lead me through this because you suffered, because you are for me. How do I understand this situation that I'm in and see the suffering beyond just the suffering or whatever suffering or hard experience I'm running into? How do I get beyond that and um, give greater definition to where God has me uh, in my current situation? Hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think what you said there, Eric, on... Um, because we're Christians. I think that's a little bit of a check for me sometimes because there's, there's suffering in my life that I brought on with my own sin, right? And, you know, the, the redemption of Christ covers that and still comforts me in the suffering I brought on myself. But I do think there's something 
to the work and ministry of Jesus, and especially as he prepares his disciples for what they're going to do after it, he's saying, you're going to suffer for my name. I mean, one of Paul's very first commissions is to suffer mm-hmm. for Christ. And so there is something unique about being a Christian in a world that is against God that's going to bring suffering. And I, I think as, as you were preaching this last week, I was thinking especially towards like, where are those moments in my life where the reason I suffer is because I follow Jesus. And, and like you said in your sermon, growing up in suburbia, sometimes following Jesus means a pat on the back or uh, some sort of reward at school uh, when our brothers throughout the world are getting thrown in jail for it. So it looks different for us, but I've been thinking kind of with that caveat, like what is it because I'm following Christ that is a cross I bear? Hmm. You know, even as you guys are are talking, because you know, this is really something I I really process pretty regularly in my life, kind of thinking through where my Lord just like calling something across, and you're probably kind of like laughing a little bit, like Eric, that's that's not quite what I had in mind. Um, but I, it almost makes me think if it's not a what, like what is a cross, but it's more the call to how a Christian should go through everything, right? Because he he kind of ends it by saying you have to be able to deny yourself, right? And even the first time in Luke 9 where he says, take up your cross daily, he says, you have to be able to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and come after me. And, and it makes me think, like, there are probably spaces that our crosses, quote, that the whole world bears that we're called to bear very differently. So you think about, like, COVID and the idea of COVID kind of being a season of a cross that really the whole world is, is quote, bearing but we're called to bear it in such a way that we literally crucify ourselves, right? We, we die to our own preferences. We die to our own ambitions, our own drives, and we set ourselves aside to serve and to put others first because we have been crucified with Christ. You know, you think about chronic illnesses that people go through and, and the suffering with, with that, right? The world goes through chronic illnesses, but the call of the Christian to grow through a chronic illness is to do it in such a way that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, not I that it lives, but Christ lives in me, and he is exalted in the way that I go through. So, you know, there's also kind of that question lingering in my head. If it's not so much kind of a what is a cross, but it's, it's a call to a lifestyle of mm-hmm. every moment. You know, you can think of parent, like one of the examples I almost used, and I hesitated because of this question, was parenting. You know, and just that feeling of like, man, this is this is hard work and kind of day after day. But it's like, well, again, the world has children. Right. So like so for me, it's more not not as parenting across, but the way I do parenting is taking my cross daily because I'm setting my needs aside, my desires aside uh, and serving the way that God's called me to. Uh, Tony, what were, what were some thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking about, I mean, I try to, in general, with Scripture, think, like, what's the essential principle at work in, in any sort of truth, right? So, and you, you kind of alluded to it in your sermon, too, but it's it's going beyond the cross, and what is Jesus rewarding us with, like, you know, fellowship with Him? Um, this kind of gets into what I was going to preach, too, but, like, you know, and even Jesus in Hebrews says that for the... Um, he endured the cross, you know, um, scorning its shame for the joy set before him, right? So there was there was a, a reward that he looked forward to. And so I kind of think of what are the hindrances in the way of the pursuit of Jesus, knowing him, loving him, glorifying him, and what are the things on the path that are hindrances? And usually self, 
Satan, the world, you know, like those typically tend to be the categories of things that are in the way. And so what does it look to, to battle, to fight, uh, to, to pursue that goal? So I think often I think about it that way, because like you said, context is so different, you know, where you are in the world, what stage of life you have, all those sorts of things. And so I think thinking about it like that helps to normalize it, especially in a context like when the West, we don't have overt suffering. So it's like, uh, maybe we don't, we don't have crosses or, you know, it could, it could go to that extreme too. And, um, to see, you know, it's really anything in the path of obedience of following and living for Jesus, loving Jesus, you know? So I think that it's kind of how I've tried to think through it, I guess. Mm. So. Yeah. And sometimes in that path, right, is our own desires, right? It's our mm-hmm. own ambitions and God's calling us to go a certain way to follow him. And it's crucifying those. And not, I love the way you even kind of brought up, right? That, the common hindrances, the world, the flesh, the devil, that the scriptures name and and what that can mean for the things that we have to bear, even in the context of which we minister. You know, a lot of times I think for us in the West, it's reputation things, right? It's setting aside my own reputation, whether it's with a friend or it's with a colleague or even in the work context. It's, um, you think about even some of the things, um, with youth sports and different things now of going, man, what does it look like for our family to do youth sports differently? Um, because we're believers. And again, youth sports is not a cross. It's a blessing, but uh, I want to clarify that. But um, just again, it's a lot of that kind of how I love that you said it's typically just something that's in the path of me trying to follow mm-hmm. Jesus. I think um, you bring up a good point that we have to be careful about making concrete applications for every single person that youth sports is the cross and therefore yeah. you must set it down. I think it it requires wisdom to know how to apply that. Mm-hmm. What are th- what are things that are good gifts from God that we can embrace mm-hmm. uh, and not demonizing every every good good gift in creation, for example, right? There's a good theology mm-hmm. of enjoyment of good things that we don't necessarily have to turn into crosses, but person to person, God may lay different convictions that, okay, maybe that is a cross I need to lay down. Maybe it is something. And so I think we have to just, as we grow in our discipleship, to recognize that there's a wisdom. Not everybody needs to look like everyone else. And uh, the Lord gives wisdom about what what things to lay down uh, and what things that He gives as good gifts, you know? And I think that that's one of the challenges with with things like this, oh, absolutely. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thought that came up actually through an email after my sermon was just this idea of what does it exactly mean to kind of behold the glory of Christ? And um, as Paul even alludes to, right, the, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Um, so how do, we, how do we look at that? When you guys think about that, quote, side of the scale, what are some real practical ways that people can kind of engage in that? I mean, certainly we've got the obvious answer, but there's more to it, is to to be in God's Word and to see who He is. But I, I think there's this tendency that we can have, uh, you know, maybe maybe you're consistent every morning and you're in the Word, you're reading it, you're maybe journaling, listening to it, whatever it is, uh, and then the rest of your day happens, right? And it has nothing to do with your whole day. Um so I think if if God puts suffering in your life because you're a follower of Christ or, or you are called to 
deny something that you could have gratification in because God has called you to something different there, if that's not connected to our enjoyment of the Lord through His Word, then it just becomes willpower. And so I think there's something about, um, theologians used to say uh, in Latin, but I don't know Latin, so English is (laughs) good for me, but uh, living before the face of God so that all of life is lived consciously with God as a part of who you are. And so I think part of enjoying Him is knowing that if, if at 2 p.m. my boss just lays into me and I'm questioning my identity and my self-worth, uh, Jesus wasn't just with me this morning. He's here now, and how does He comfort me in this situation right this moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how does He even in some ways quote relate to me as Hebrews would allude to, right? So when I was even thinking about it as I'm preaching, I'm, I'm actually thinking about even specific aspects of Christ, his, his humiliation, his supremacy, his, his lowliness, his gentleness, his mercy, the moments that we can really specifically, even as we read God's word, really ask that question, what is this teaching me about the nature and character of who he is? Because I feel like when we kind of ask that question and answer that question, it's in those moments, right, that we're really kind of beholding his glory. And as I look at the mercy of Christ, I see my own sin, right? I see my lack of mercy. Um, but also when I look at the mercy of Christ and I've been wronged, right, I, it, it gives me this space to go, man, as wronged as Christ was, he still is who he is. Or a boss lays into me. It gives me a moment to go, man, okay, one, I'm not I'm not perfect. And then here was Christ who was perfect and still listened to the mocking and still listened to the, um, the harsh words and the way he responded. So it's like, like you said, it's more than like checking the box of reading your Bible or checking the box of going to church. It's in those spaces really trying to engage with who he is and kind of asking questions around those. But what are some other thoughts on what that's looked like for you guys? Sort of a, a phrase that's kind of been helpful is like, I mean, kind of to, to take your paradigm of like, yeah, it's good to be in God's word, you know, and and yet how do we live in the world, right? And so like, you know, a phrase that's been helpful is like seeing seeing the world through the word, right? So that's kind of our time in the world, but then seeing the seeing the word in the world, right? So that we live in this constant give and take and back and forth that, yeah, we, we begin, like God's word describes to us the glory of God, the glory of Christ, spiritual reality and that kind of resets us but you say don't leave that there in the morning and then live my day as if i'm a godless atheist you know but but now i've so transformed my sight that i see him in every interaction in everything i see the glory of god in this world that he's made and so i bring that word to bear on every situation and so i think a healthy reading of god's word and seeing of his glory is is such that it it spills into everything we do Uh, we see his glory and this mic, right? Like what, what an amazing thing that we can talk into this and it records it and the amazing wisdom of God, you know? So like the more we're saturated with God, we, we live lives of awe and wonder, I think too, at like what an awesome God he is. And then, and then obviously the hard moments of life, we learn to rely on him, to repent, to turn to him, you know? So I guess that would be some of my thoughts on that. Yeah. You said that so much more eloquently than what, how I was thinking the same thing. It's effectively this idea of how do I take God's word and put it into my life? Like it it becomes, I become the center of it when I have that perspective versus this perspective of here is 
God's word and here is the reality of time and creation and God in all of this. How do I enter into that? Um, so what narrative am I trying to, to live? Is it my own where I'm the star or is this narrative the gospel narrative where God is the star and I get to play a small part in that? Yeah. Am I standing over God's word, looking into it or am I sitting under it? Yeah, that's right? good. And kind of yeah. sitting under its, its weight. You know, one question kind of even around the cross that swirls in my head is what has looked differently in my life? specifically because I am a Christian. Like, can I look back on anything where I actually sat under the weight of God's word and it changed my direction because of, of, of being a Christian and, and following Jesus? Well, the next kind of switching kind of the, the focus here, we want to talk a little bit about kind of clarity around our passages, right? It's, I think one of the things intimidating about a series like this as a pastor, right, is you got one shot, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so you know, you get to share your your verse and everything, but you kind of get done. And I think we all know anytime you preach in any kind of context, you spend about the next 48 hours recalling everything you had wished you had said. Yeah, they, uh, they say the, the best sermon is written in the car on the way home. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or at least edited. Yeah, edited <laughs> into the car on the way home. And for me, the one thing that I just really wanted to be clear that I, I want to hit just briefly, but mostly want to hear what you guys want for yours is um, that the cross is rough, get tough is not sufficient to sustain us in following Christ. That gritting our teeth and remembering that he's called us to count the cost, so let's do this thing, uh, will just leave you exhausted. Uh, and if you don't spend that time beholding the glory of Christ, and even on some extent beholding the glory of what Christ gives us, and um, you know the whole everything I am, yes, everything I have, yes, but it is for everything that He is and everything He has. That almost it, the passage, the shift for me was that there was this moment almost where He's watching these crowds gather because of the miracles and because of the teaching. And going, that's not going to sustain you. Like if you're following me because of miracles and teaching, it's not going to be enough. You have to count the cost, so you really begin to realize what it is I'm offering. Um, but I want to hear from you guys, kind of what what is the one thing you are hoping is just really extremely clear uh, as you guys uh, preach in this series? Well, Jimmy was was. Artie, and as we were talking just now, kind of pointing to one of my main themes is you're not the hero of the Bible. Um, Jesus is. And that, I mean, the, really the main point is that the whole Bible is about Christ. Mm -hmm. It's, um, and I'll talk about this in the sermon, but it's like, it's like one of those movies where there is such a mind-blowing twist at the very end that you absolutely have to watch it a second time. And when you're watching it the second time, you can't help but have the ending in mind, right? Because it colors everything. You realize you you had a completely different perspective on the story once you knew the end of the story. And so that's what I what happened to me, and that's what I hope will be helpful for for our people is that that we see if Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his reign. What does that mean when we look back at the Old Testament and realize, oh my goodness, all of this was pointing to Him? Yeah. Um, and how does that change the way? I, I, for a lot of us, when we read narrative in the Old Testament, 
It's familiar stories. Um, we read that kind of stuff to our kids. If you grew up in the church, you knew the stories. But the question is, are they just stories with a moral? Or are they part of a big picture that God is weaving for redemption over all of time? Um, so that's probably the main takeaway. And there's some stuff I'd love to geek out on here if we've got some time yeah. to think through that. Well, but, and I think even right as I hear that, like, to me too, and that that's good news. Like, there's kind of two ways to hear that is like, oh, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm not the hero of the story. But I think the more we kind of go through life, you start to go, man, that's really good news that that pressure is not on me. Um, and so, yeah, f- that's, that's awesome. Just that clarity. I'm not the hero, mm-hmm. hero of the Bible. But what what were you um, what were you about to say about I feel like I interrupted you. Oh no, I apologize that. But you know, I I, I don't know what I'm going to have uh, time to say or not say quite yet. But I'm pretty sure I won't have time to say some of this stuff. But um, understanding how Scripture points to Jesus, um, coming away from that, I hope you don't hear something that's minimized to like every sermon should end in the gospel. Um, because it's far more than that. That's, that's an oversimplification of it. It, it. For us, it's the lens through which we have to read Scripture. Jesus made that unavoidable. Um, so it's, it's a paradigm for the Bible as a whole. Um, the whole Bible was written by God as the story of His redeeming work in history. If we don't get that in our reading of Scripture, then there's something missing in our reading. Um, some of my favorite authors, I, I just had a couple quotes that I probably won't have time to share, but uh, this is a guy named Ed Clowney, who is probably the most formative in my understanding of Scripture as a whole. Yeah. And he said, only God's revelation can build a story where the end is anticipated from the beginning, and where the guiding principle is not chance or fate, but promise. Human authors may build fiction around a plot they've devised, but only God can shape history to a real and ultimate purpose. That's from his book, Unfolding Mystery. But one of the things in there that's so amazing is like, we have this narrative story that's pointing to Jesus, but it doesn't make the actual story untrue historically. Like the God who created the universe shapes history to be pointing towards his ultimate redemption. And so we can read David and Goliath and see, oh my goodness, look how much this is pointing to Jesus and not say David and Goliath are metaphorical figures for the battles we face in our life. Like it really happened, but it also really points to Jesus and can teach us. Oh, and just how much bigger that is, right? It's not just the book of God's word that points to Jesus. He has ordered history to point to Jesus. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing concept. And just for people who may not be familiar with Ed Clowney, like, he was a mentor to Tim Keller and he was, you know, a professor for a long time at Westminster and um, just very um, influential in helping people to see Christ throughout all of scripture, which is just an awesome legacy. Yeah. If I could follow up and I'll share about mine and I'll use it to kind of, to connect to Ryan's sermon. Actually, I'm going to tee you up a little bit. All right. <laughs> I have mine mostly ready, I think, but you know, actually, I shared that I felt like when I came across Christian Hedonism, I was, I was like, felt like I was born again. This is like all theologically incorrect. You're only born again once. Okay, I just want to clarify that. But, um, <laughs> but I felt like when I came across kind of what Ryan's going to be preaching, which was maybe years before that, I felt like I was born again there. So I've had like several like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like I see different things. And, and I think they're, they're connected. And since I would say this, that like, 
if you were to hear kind of probably some of the things that I might start to preach, I think people could hear it without hearing actually what Ryan, so maybe we're in the wrong order. I don't know. <laughs> um, they could heap guilt on themselves. And maybe I'll say it like this, that like sanctification is really in some ways, if I were to say it, is kind of what I'm aiming at with Christian hedonism, right? But you can't, you, you, you will fit, like one of the first barriers to being sanctified is, is the issue of guilt and the issue of shame, our lack of being able to do it. And if we don't see that the main story of the Bible is the story that Jesus is the hero of the story who rescues us, and that it's really not about our obedience only, but his obedience on our behalf, that you will pursue even something like Christian hedonism as a legalist, as, as, as a thing that I need to accomplish to appease God. And so let's say, like, I think that it's, it's huge that we need to have this almost foundationally in our Christian life to rest in Christ before you can pursue Christ. Right. And I think, um, so anyway, that's one of the things I, I'm going to touch on a little bit, but, you know, tee, tee it up a little bit. So I think there's a connection there. And I felt like for me, like, I can't even hear what I'm going to preach until I hear actually what Ryan's going to explain from scripture, if that makes sense. But, but what I, what, what was helpful for me with Christian hedonism, is, hedonism was I felt like the story that Jesus is the hero of the Bible freed me from guilt, but I felt like there was still need for fuel for obedience. And what, what helped me was to recognize that the pursuit of living for God's glory was not different than, but it was it was married to my desire to be joyful, to my desire to be happy. You know, that they were not two different aims, but they're one aim. Well, it's the answer, right? It, well, it's the answer to the question we're always asking, how do I be happy? Yeah. You know, is, yeah. well, glorify God. Right, right. And I just never... I never assumed that those would be the same answer, hmm. you know. And I think that as simple as that insight is, it really changes everything about Christian life. I think how you see it, that um, kind of what you preached, and they're kind of tied, is that the you know when when you look at a command of scripture, when you look up, pick up your cross. You know, it's not a burden to carry, but a joy to pursue. If you see the end, if you see the end is Christ, you know. And so, um, so that's what I'm hoping will come out. And hopefully people even see the interconnectedness of even some of our, our, our sermons and stuff too. So, awesome. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Tony, you, you know, you talk about, um, or you were briefly had mentioned shame and, you know, and wh- what do we do with that? Where do we go to? And I think that's a lot of where I'm headed with my sermon, not so much the shame part, but um, fear, Fear of where shame puts us, fear of where even our circumstances sometimes uh, where we might find ourselves. Um, and Psalm 46, for so many, in particular verse 10, and more specifically the first half of verse 10, which is, be still and know that I am God. And for centuries, this millennia, it has been uh, an incredibly um, peace-inducing um, anxiety-reducing passage, and rightly so, right? Because God is the one who is in control, that he's orchestrated, and he's written this incredibly beautiful, redemptive story, right? He is the author of creation, the finisher of, of all things, right? He will be. Um, but we often leave out the, the, the couplet that comes right after that, which is, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. This is God speaking, Right? So in, you think about something that is terror-inducing in our, in our world, right? And we want to run to shelter. We want to run to a fortress. God should absolutely be that fortress to whom we run. But let's not overlook the fact that 
this God that we're running to was actually the one who spoke and created the world. You want to talk about incredible power and fear. Um, you know, if we were observing God creating the universe, like that would be a sight to behold, not just in awe and wonder, but fear and trembling, right? And that is who we're supposed to run to. Like, how is that supposed, like, as a, as a follower of Christ, as, as a reader of scripture, like, how am I supposed to, to justify those two things? Because they, they seem like they would be exclusive of one another. Um, but we can do this because God's not distant and his voice isn't far off and creation isn't just this powerful thing. But we see in Colossians 1 that Christ is preeminent, that Christ is supreme. And what is it that Christ has done? He came from heaven to earth. Right? He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. He is our fortress. Uh, and I think to tie it all together, you know, um, this passage on counting the cost and being a follower of Christ and taking up your cross, you know, after that particular um, um, passage, what do we see in the very next chapter of Luke when Jesus sends out the 72, right? And they're going from town to town. And they're coming back to Jesus saying, look at all the amazing things we've done, Jesus. Thanks a lot. Uh, that was great. And even Jesus celebrates. He's like, that's fantastic. I, I, was, I was overjoyed. But don't overlook this fact. Rejoice rather that your names are written in the book of life. And it's like, whoa, okay. So it's not what I've done, but what you have done for me and where my ultimate destiny lies. Um, so it's less, again, about us being at the center of this story and just pieces of that story being unraveled more and more hmm. and more. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm extremely excited to hear uh, you guys preach and uh, to hear that come out of kind of shifting kind of the higher level of the of the series. Tony, you even kind of alluded to this idea, almost joking, right? The, some of these moments for us have almost felt like you're born again, right? But I almost think about it like when you're growing up, there's some huge milestones, right? It's like you get your driver's license and all of a sudden you feel like you, you've matured through the roof, you know, then you get married and then you get children. And it's just like, there's kind of these big moments that just kind of shift the whole way you're kind of approaching life. It's kind of the same as we walk with Christ. It's not that we're not alive in Christ, but there's these things he shows that are just huge. I, I think for me, when I think about the whole series and the purpose of the whole series is I do hope these specific things we've just talked about, I do hope some of those are moments for some of the people in our church that they would hear these moments and go, man, what the old whole Testament points to Jesus. Like that's, that's a big deal. Um, and then I also hope on some level, we alluded to this earlier that there is a sense at which we recognize we, we sit under the weight of Scripture. We don't stand over it. And so it takes a chasing in some ways because it's bigger than us. And that they would also feel a certain freedom to come to a passage and say, I don't know what this means. You know, to sit under a passage and go, I, I may not be seeing this entirely. Because we live in an age right now where everybody's an expert, right? And everybody reads either something in Scripture or something outside of Scripture and they assume now they have a complete understanding of that topic. And I think just being able to stand before people and share our life story of how, man, I was seeing this in a completely different way. Now through older people investing in my life and through other things and kind of chasing quote after the truth, God has revealed more and more. And I know I'm not even close to there yet that we can spend the entirety of our lives trying to understand this word of God and sitting under it. And so for me, that, I think that's been the heart for me of this series is 
there's, there's the individual pieces, right. That I just really hope people hear. If people have not heard of Christian hedonism, man, what an awesome gift this weekend coming from Tony, right? If, if they've not heard yet about Christ in the old Testament and what it looks like for God to be our fortress, like, man, what gifts for them just to sit under those sermons and to listen and to hear and to, and to grow. Um, but then on the higher level to just feel a freedom to go, man, this, the word of God is bigger than me. And there's something that he does in the unfolding nature of God's word uh, that I can expect that I can actually open up my word in the morning and sometimes just go, I have no idea what that means, but I'm got I'm glad I've got a lifetime to walk with God and to begin to understand more and more. Uh, what, what about for you guys, as you kind of have processed this series as a whole, what are some of your prayers even for our people and some of the things that you're, you're hoping would happen out of this series? I would love to see. I mean, I think it's already present in so many. I think that legacy speaks, you know, to the fact that so many of us, you know, have um, been incredibly um, equipped here at Perimeter, right? Um, I didn't personally grow up here, but I have seen it firsthand of people who've grown up, literally born and raised, you know, in the church here at Perimeter. Uh, there's a great legacy of the emphasis of God's Word and and sound theology, Um and I would love to to continue that, encourage those who are active already in God's Word or are active in prayer. Uh, but for those who, who may be listening and maybe have uh, feel that they're in a place of staleness, um, to, to press on and to um, just to continue to be in it and simply say the prayer of God, increase my affections for you and for your Word. Um, and we do that by little moments every day. Just that building up that discipline of being in the Word. Um, you know, with young kids in the home, and I, I only have two, so I don't know how um, chaotic other households um, can get. Oh, I mean, I can imagine how, how they get. I think, Eric, you kind of know what that experience is like. But <laughs> one of the most comforting things to me is to be able to take my dog out for a walk because it's like one of the few quiet moments in a day. And... Obviously, while I'm walking my dog, I can't read, sit down and read scripture. So I've just developed this habit over this last year of let me at least listen to scripture as I'm walking rather than tuning into this podcast or, you know, letting music just play in the background. Let me sit and dwell in God's word that way. And um, man, I have really enjoyed that time because there have been moments I'll get back home and I'll immediately go back and open up my Bible and like, okay, I remember hearing this. Let me, I need to make a note here about this thing. Um, but just even little habits like that can certainly uh, grow our affections. And, um, and a lot of that just starts with that simple prayer of God, increase my affections for you. Draw me close to you. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I guess I thought I would give is, you know, so I think we're all kind of sharing kind of almost like epiphany moments, you know? And so I think... I mean, one prayer would be, yeah, for some people, maybe this series will be epiphany. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that, or I didn't see that. And it would change, it would it would cause a major shift in their Christian life and how they see God and the gospel. And I think that's one prayer. But then I think another, we have to balance it, is that, you know, these breakthroughs in our life, they're not like every day, I think, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few times in life where these Wait, special... I, it's, it's only it's only once a week for me. It's oh, not okay. every it's not every day. But Eric, Eric's special guys, yeah. um, you know, like a few times in your lifetime, you know, and and I think it's we want to say that that's okay too because we don't mm-hmm. want to be novel about 
scripture and and the gospel and the Bible that I have to find something new every time. But sometimes, you know, and so some people may have epiphany. Some people, like, they may know these truths. It's just a matter of being reminded and and that there is something beautiful about the ordinary of just being yes. with the Lord and His Word and you encounter Him anew, but with truth that you know, but the Lord just meets you in that time. And so... Uh, encourage both sets of people, maybe, so to speak, that there might be both in the congregation to know that w- hopefully we, we have both in mind, you know, and that, but everyone will be renewed in some way through it. So, mm. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I really like the way you said that, because for me, as I'm preparing for this, I mean, this was like a weekend of training, and I've, it, it was so invigorating and exciting, but also I felt like I've got to start over with my study of scripture. And, and it was uh, literally about six years pretty well focused on studying that in any way that I could, including my decision to go to seminary. And so it's like, as, as Eric said earlier, you got one shot and I'm, I'm thinking back on six years of like, okay, I got 35 <laughs> minutes if I'm lucky. Um, but I, I, I agree with you, Tony. I think um, I would love for people to have this series be a moment where, where if nothing else, uh, they become more curious and hungry for the Word of God. So mm-hmm. like a, an excited curiosity, like, mm-hmm. wow, this is coming to life and I want it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the thing that I'm praying for most is that God's Word uh, will become an exciting, comforting place. And then, and then I think the other piece is all of us are trying to help help bring the gospel into everyday life. And so if, if I understand that I'm not the center of history, the pressure's off. If I understand that Jesus rescues broken people, then I don't have to have everything together all the time, and I can be humble. Hmm. I can ask for forgiveness. And so as, as the gospel becomes more pervasive in our lives, I'm praying that, that this church would have a greater influence in the places God has us. Hmm. Man, that's great. That's a great word. Well, gentlemen, thank you uh, so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for working hard in this series uh, to preach uh, from God's Word. Uh, it's just been a great honor and a gift uh, for sure to be a part of this series. And thank you guys th- uh, to the listeners for listening to us today. Talk a little bit more about this idea of chasing truth and what it's looked like in each of our, our passages. We're incredibly grateful that you've joined us and we will Um, be with you next well we will not be with you next time but Jeff looks forward to uh, you listening again next time on Digging Deeper